This is the Filming with Josh podcast, brought to you by Rustic River Media. Welcome to the videographer's home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. Hey guys, welcome to the Filming with Josh podcast. This is episode number 84, Project Breakdown, Alpha Z Delta Recruitment Video 2023. If you are new to the podcast, I want to thank you for listening in. The Filming with Josh podcast is your home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. Here on the podcast, we talk about all things video from scripting and storyboarding to how to price your work. We cover it all here on the podcast. We also have a Facebook group called Filming with Josh. That is a private group. So go to Facebook, type in Filming with Josh in the search bar and ask to join the group today. The Filming with Josh Facebook group is a continuation of this podcast and is also a place that you can come and ask questions, um, share your work, ask for feedback and things of that nature. So I'd love to see you in that group. Again, that's Filming with Josh on Facebook. You can ask to join the group today and I'll be sure to approve your request. Today's podcast is going to be a little different than normal. First off, I am recording this podcast on a Zoom call so that we can um, look at the screen together. And two, we're going to be talking about a topic that I haven't really done on the podcast, which is a project breakdown. I want to start doing these where after I shoot a project that I think is pretty interesting, um, I can go on the podcast, show screenshots, and then do a breakdown of the project, how I shot it, why I shot it a certain way, what the concept was, how we wrote the shots out, and things of that nature. I think this gives people an insight on real-world projects and how we approach them. So that's a first. And then on top of that, we're going to be sharing the screen, which is something we don't normally do. Normally, we don't do video podcasts. We've done a few in the past, but it's not something that is a priority to me. But I think for this style of podcast, um, it's something I want to do. So if you are not watching this in the Filming with Josh group, and are just listening to this on the podcast, I want to encourage you to go to Filming with Josh and pull this up so that you can see the screenshots and follow along. However, if you are just listening to this podcast, that's totally fine too. You'll still be able to understand everything I'm talking about. So don't worry. If you're not watching this, you'll still be able to completely follow along. So without further ado, let me go ahead and share my screen here, and then I'll kind of walk you through the project. So this is the first scene I shot for this project, but before I break down the scene or anything like that, I wanna take a step back and explain the project to you, what this is, how we wrote the script for it, and things like that. So Alpha Z Delta is a sorority at Texas State University. I mean, this is a sorority all over the United States, but specifically this particular chapter is at Texas State University in San Marcos, Texas. I used to live in San Marcos. I moved to Nebronfuls about two years ago, um, but I still have ties there. And last year, Alpha Z Delta approached me about shooting a new recruitment video for their sorority. It is very common for sororities to do recruitment videos every year. And it's almost like a competition in a way where different sororities are trying to outcompete each other with their videos to try to help encourage recruits to want to come and join their sorority. And the Alpha Z Delta chapter at Texas State is no different. And they had had some previous people do projects for them in the past, but last year they kind of wanted to, to take things up a notch. So they contacted me and asked if I would be willing to take on the project. And to be 100% honest, I was a little hesitant. I wanted to do the project, but 
it was a little different than my normal style of work. I do a lot of commercial work, a lot of corporate work, a little bit of doc work. I shoot a lot of events and I do a lot of live streaming. So shooting a recruitment video for a sorority was not something I had ever done before. And the style in which that we were going to shoot it was just going to be a little different than what I normally do. However, I wanted to step outside my comfort zone and take on a project that was a little different than what I normally do so that I could stretch my creativity a little bit, push myself to think a little bit outside the box. So I agreed to take on the project and I'm really glad I did. It was my favorite project I shot last year. It was a lot of fun, just so much fun. And we really got to um, be creative. And that's something that you get to be creative in commercial work and corporate work and doc work but not like this. This is a little different. And I feel like being able to take this project on last year really allowed me to remember why I love video, which is the creative aspect. I love lighting interviews and things like that. And all that's fun. But I love being able to think outside the box. And this allowed me to really think outside the box last year. Um, so when they asked me to come back and do this, uh, do redo it this year, we upped the budget a little bit and decided that we would try to outdo what we did last year. Because I, I felt last year's video turned out pretty good. Um, but this year we wanted more scenes and we wanted to just push things a little further. And so that's what we decided to do. And the idea behind this video, I'm actually going to go all the way down here to the last screenshot so that I can explain the concept. So as you can see here, there are a bunch of blank pictures hung up on the wall and they're in the middle of hanging a bunch of blank pictures. And if I move up a few frames, you'll see Tori here as she is putting pictures on the wall and you'll see Riley here as she also is putting pictures on the wall. Tori is um, the president of the Alpha Z Delta sorority um, currently at Texas State and Riley is um, part of the recruitment chair. So she has a position that kind of heads up the video. That's, that's her role. And so the concept was that Tori and Riley would be at the sorority house hanging Polaroid photographs on a wall with a neon sign that says, realize your potential lighting up their faces. And realize your potential is their tagline. Um, and last year's video ended with realize your potential on a lantern that like a Chinese lantern that a girl had like written on and hung up in a tree. It was kind of cool. Um, and this year we wanted to do something similar where we ended with realize your potential, but we wanted, like I said, we wanted to take things up a notch. So here's kind of the idea. The video starts off not with the wide frame that shows the girls hanging the pictures on the wall with realize your potential, but instead it starts with a close-up shot of Tori as she is has her face lit by the neon sign and she is putting a the first Polaroid on the wall. And the Polaroid is actually going to have a picture on it. And that picture is going to be a screen grab of one of the scenes we shot. And as she hangs this picture on the wall, with it's got like a sticky background on the back, as she sticks it on the wall to create this like photo uh, collage thing, um, the picture will show a screenshot from a video clip and it's like a memory, like say a birthday party, like a, a surprise birthday party for one of the sorority girls. And so as she's putting the picture on the wall, the picture will have a screenshot 
as the Polaroid photo, like the screenshot is the picture. Uh, and so as she's physically putting the Polaroid on the wall, the camera will go into that Polaroid and reveal the video scene. So she's basically hanging a memory on the wall, right? It's almost like the, the Polaroid is a photograph that was taken at, say, I'm just gonna use the birthday party for example. It's like the Polaroid is a picture that was taken at that surprise party and she's hanging that picture, she's hanging that memory, but then the camera goes into the picture and reveals that memory in, a, in an actual video sequence. And then that sequence would go into another sequence and then to another video sequence and then it would pop back out of another Polaroid that's being put on the wall. So you can see Riley and, whoa, it removed me there. I clicked, sorry guys, I clicked the wrong button. Um, so as you can see, Riley and Tori are gonna be hanging photos and these photos are different memories and the camera's gonna be going into these memories, revealing the scenes and then coming back out and and the form of another picture and and not every scene is going to be a picture like we might show a birthday we might go into a polaroid photograph that's a photograph of a birthday party but we might go from the birthday party to uh, a, a shot of girls singing karaoke for example and then that might go to a shot of girls hanging out making a, a pizza together for example and then it and then as the pizza scene ends it'll pop back out of another Polaroid that's being hung on the wall. So it's not gonna go, like not every scene is gonna be a picture being put on the wall, but the, we're gonna be going in and out of these Polaroid pictures throughout the video, showing them hanging up these pictures, hanging up these memories, and then the, the pictures come to life in the form of a video. And so that's kind of the idea behind it. And I knew that this was gonna be a challenge because how do we know, how do we know going into this project, what picture, like here's a tight shot, I got a tight, if you're listening to podcasts, you want, you're not seeing this, but right now I have a tight shot of one of the Polaroid pictures, and it's a blank Polaroid, there's nothing in the Polaroid, and that's because we don't know, how are we supposed to know, until we get to the editing bay, exactly which which screenshots we want to use. We didn't want to actually take a Polaroid photo. We wanted to take a screenshot and put it into the Polaroid so that in post we have complete control of what the Polaroid photo is. So they're hanging blank photographs on the wall and we are physically going to go in and keyframe pictures in Resolve on these Polaroids. So we are going to turn these blank Polaroids into actual Polaroids. And one, one of the cool things about leaving them blank is one, we get to pick what the picture is. Like if we decide we want the birthday party scene to be one of the Polaroids that's being hung on the wall, we will get to pick that shot and pick which frame we wanna use. But the other great part about leaving the Polaroid blank is that the picture can actually be have movement. So like when they hang a picture on the wall and 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 it can and it could be like say a dr a wide drone shot and it's just a screenshot of the drone shot and they put the picture on the wall and then all of a sudden the picture can move and it can show the drone shot moving and then the camera can go into that drone shot and show the whole real drone shot and then play out the video sequence and then it can go from like let's say whatever that drone shot is whatever that scene is let's say it goes to the birthday party and the girl's blowing out the candles it can back out of a of another Polaroid and show her blowing out the candles on the Polaroid itself, like in the photo, like as if the photo had movement, and then all of a sudden it will stop and freeze as a Polaroid image. So by leaving the Polaroids blank, we're able to not only dictate and post what we want the picture, the actual Polaroid to be, but we can also make sure that the picture has movement to it, making it just 
come to life, basically bringing these Polaroid pictures to life. So again, if you're listening to the podcast and, and you're a little confused, all it is is that these girls are standing under a neon sign, hanging photographs on the wall, and these photographs are, are screen grabs of video scenes, and then we're just going to go into the scene and show the scene and go from one scene to the next and then pop back out of another photograph that's being hung on the wall. So hopefully that makes sense. If it doesn't, <laughs> come back and watch the video at a later date when it's complete, and then it will make sense to you. But that's the idea going in, is that we're gonna be going in and out of these Polaroids, showing and revealing scenes, and then going back to them hanging the Polaroids on the wall. So that's the idea for this video. So let's jump up and talk a little bit more about it. So again, let's talk about some tech stuff, and then we'll talk about the concepts and everything else. To do this project, we had several pre-production meetings. The first, we sat on a Zoom call where we kind of talked about this concept to kind of get the ball rolling. It was their idea. They had seen a TikTok video that they used for inspiration for wanting to do this. The TikTok video is not going to be anywhere near as great as this is going to be because this is going to be epic. I, we shot it really well. I think it's going to be super epic. But it, it gave them some inspiration. So we hopped on a Zoom call for a first pre-production meeting. We talked about the concept and they asked me kind of how we could do it. And then we followed up with a meeting in person. Um, me and, and a couple of the girls, two or three of the girls did. And we just kind of sat down and we talked about how we were going to pull off the Polaroid scene. And then also we talked about how we were going to... Um, shoot the whole project, what locations we wanted to go to. And then the girls worked on securing the locations, getting permission and 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 access to film at these different locations because we shot all over the place. We shot two 16-hour days last Wednesday and Thursday. We started at 6.30 in the morning and we ended uh, between 10.30 and 11 p.m. at night. So over 16 hours a day for both shoot days. And we went all over the place. And you'll see that as we go through these screenshots here in a minute. But there were a lot of scenes and the girls did a great job after we picked what all scenes we wanted to do. The girls did a great job of securing the locations and making sure we had filming access and permission. And they also did a great job of making sure that they had a complete broke down schedule of what girls, because it's a big sorority, of what girls were going to be in each scene and what props were gonna be in each scene, and even what clothes were gonna be worn in each scene. For the most part, and again, these are college students, so it's not perfect, but as you see as we go through this video, even the clothes are fairly color-coordinated from scene to scene so that the girls have a consistency in how they match. So the idea was for every scene to look well put together, and I think we did a good job of that. And this all comes down to pre-production. I feel like this video is a great example of why pre-production means way more than gear. I, my last podcast was about why... Um, me asking the question about why people care more about gear than anything else. And I think this, this, this project is a great example that pre-production and planning matters so much more than what camera you're using. Um, and, and so by working with these girls to pick each of these locations, to pick each scene, and then I went and sat down and picked what cameras and lenses and shots were going to be used for each scene so that when we showed up, we were ready to roll and we were able to get every single shot. And it was a very ambitious list. I mean, we shot scenes at the college. We shot scenes at 
um, uh, multiple scenes at multiple different rivers. We shot scenes in uh, in, in an Airbnb house. We shot scenes at parks and hiking trails and coffee shops and restaurants and workout facilities. I mean, we shot all over. So there was a lot of pre-production, a lot of planning. They squeeze all that into two 16-hour days. can only happen if you dot your T's and cross your I's and have a very good game plan going in. In fact, I'll even show you in case you're in the Filming with Josh group or not in Filming with Josh group, but haven't seen this yet, but I can show you an example. Let me change my uh, screen share here. I'll stop screen sharing. Let me pull up my notes here. So if you look right here, um, let me see here. Scroll down, Alpha Z Delta. Here we go. So you can even see where I broke down, like I had a, a write-up up here that breaks down in my notes what the project was and how we were going to shoot it. But then I went down and, it, and broke it down shot by shot. So you'll see like right here, um, it says sunrise at Purgatory Creek Park. It has the address of the park, the time that we were going to get to the park. And then it says aerial shots of girls hiking, gimbal shots of girls hiking, handheld shots of girls hiking, and then a slow tripod shot of Moose, the dog, um, running toward the camera wearing an Alpha Chi Delta bandana or Alpha Z Delta bandana. So my, my point is, is you can see, like I even broke down shot for shot what I wanted. Like here's another shot, stadium tailgate scene at Texas State Bobcat Stadium. And it says again, the time that we were going to meet there and the address so that everyone knew where to go and what time to be there. Again, guys, this is all about having good pre-production planning. And then it goes into to say, we want aerial establishing shot of the girls walking up to the stadium. We want gimbal shots down low shooting up toward the stadium of girls walking up um, with uh, the stadium out of focus in the background. We want handheld shots of cheerleaders and strutters cheering in uniform on the football field. We want gimbal shots of cheerleaders and strutters cheering in uniform on the football field. Handheld shots of tailgaters on the field having fun and gimbal shots of tailgaters on the field having fun. So I broke down these shot for shot thing that I'm looking for and I was able to check these little check, it's a check box. So I'm able to check the bubbles as we go so I know that we're getting all of these shots and I just make this in my phone on a uh, on the note sheet on my phone. So it's synced up to my phone and my iPad and my computer. And so I can go through and check shots off as we get them. So this is all comes down to, to good pre-production and good planning. And if you look here, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight scenes that we shot on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine scenes. So that is 17 scenes at 17 different locations that we had to shoot in two 16 hour days. And that includes setting up lights for inside shots. That includes uh, setting up props. That includes making sure all the girls are there, that all the clothes are on, that change, like all these girls were doing, like if girls were in different scenes, same girls in different scenes, they were having to do clothing changes. So there's a lot going on in a very, very short amount of time. And so that's again, goes back to having a plan, having good pre-production is everything on producing a quality video. And it matters so much more than what camera you're using. Um, so let's go back here to, uh, let me change the screen share and go back to the finder window so you can see the screenshots. To shoot this project, I knew going in that I wanted to shoot a mixture of handheld shots and gimbal shots. And I wanted to shoot a mixture of 24 frame rate shots and 
60 frame rate shots. The final delivery is going to be 4K uh, 24 frames. Well, essentially 23,976, but we'll call it 24. So I knew this was going to be a 4K timeline at uh, on a basically a 24p frame rate. That's the final delivery. So to shoot the project, I wanted to shoot it obviously in 4K, but at a mixture of 60 and 24. Uh, the reason is, is anything that's in real time, I want in 24 frames, which is the timeline frame rate. But anything I want in slow motion, I shot already slowed down using the S and Q mode, and I shot it in 60 frames. Um, and there were a few times I shot in 120 frames if I really wanted to slow something down, like when Moose the dog is running toward the camera with the Alpha Z Delta bandana on. I knew I wanted that in 120 frames. So there were some 120 frame shots as well. Now, you might ask the question, why not just shoot everything in 60 and slow down what shots you want to slow down in post and which ones you don't want to slow down, just you know, leave it at 60 on a 24p timeline. And you can certainly do that. But Personally, I can see the difference between a 60p shot played back in real time and a 24p shot played back in real time. The 60p shot, if you don't slow it down, to me, it looks too fast and too choppy. I don't like it. It feels too surreal. It doesn't feel normal. It doesn't feel right. So I, if it's going to be in 24 frame, if it's going to be in real time, it's going to be in 24 frames. If it's going to be in slow motion, we're going to go ahead and shoot it in slow motion. The only time I would shoot something in 60 frames and play it back in real time on my timeline or 120 frames and play back in real time my timeline would be if I wanted to do a speed ramp. That's it. And there's not much of that in this video. It's either going to be in real time or it's going to be in slow motion. And sometimes I know if it's going to be in real time and sometimes I know if it's going to be in slow motion. But if I don't know if it's going to be in real time or slow motion because I'm not sure how the edit's going to go, then I'll shoot it in both frame rates. So throughout this video, most scenes were shot in both 24 frames and 60 frames. We'd do like one or two takes in 24 frames and we'd do one or two takes in 60 frames so that my editor would have flexibility to choose between real time and slow motion. And then if I knew it was going to be in slow motion, I went ahead and only shot it in slow motion. Or if I knew it was going to be in real time, then I only shot it in real time. But most scenes were shot in both real time and slow motion so that my editor has the choice to pick, pick between the two in post. So that's kind of the idea there. Um, I shot on an FX6 handheld with the 50 millimeter for about half the shots, and most of the other half of the shots were shot on uh, an FX3 on a gimbal um, with either a 35-1.4 prime or a 24-1.4 prime. Um, I really like shooting with prime lenses for creative projects because I like to be able to get that little bit more shallow depth of field and I like the faster aperture for low light scenes which we have uh, some low light scenes here in this project. So I like the faster apertures of the prime lenses. I also just like the extra sharpness, the extra you know beautiful lens flares and things that you sometimes get with prime lenses. So I shot this whole thing with prime lenses. This whole entire project was shot on a 24, a 35, or a 50 on, on, on the cameras. Um, and, and to me, that, that was the perfect combination of lenses. Um, I shot on the 24-1.4 Sony G Master, the 35-1.4 Sony G Master, and the 51-2 Sony G Master. And I, I think those are beautiful lenses with a lot of character. I mean, they're pretty clean. You're not going to have like the vintage character, but they have pretty flares. They can, like, especially like the 51-2. I mean, you can totally get rid of a background with the 51-2. Um, and for this project, that's kind of what the, the look and feel we wanted. We wanted to have a lot of shallow depth of field. Sometimes there's a place for that, but 
and sometimes there's not. In this project, I wanted a lot of that. So I shot it all on three different prime lenses, and most of the time we were shooting wide open uh, at the fastest aperture. I also wanted to uh, use the FX6 for the handheld shots because I actually prefer not having IBIS for handheld shots. Um, when you have image stabilization for a handheld shot, it doesn't look natural. You know, the camera is trying to stabilize the image and it's doing its best to, like if you're moving to the left, it's trying to move to the right to compensate. And so you get this kind of floating feeling that's not really a handheld look. And I want my handheld shots to look handheld. So I choose to shoot with a camera that doesn't have IBIS, the FX6, and the sensors locked down and the ergonomics for the fx6 for handheld shooting is perfect with the side grip the top handle you can cradle the camera into your body um, i've replaced the stock monitor on my fx6 for a small hd cine 5 and it's in the same spot as a stock monitor i use some bright tangerine and wooden camera parts if you're in the wooden if you're in the filming with josh group you you can look this up and see what it looks like um, but i use that my my fx6 tucked into my body for most of the handheld shots with the cine 5 monitor with the monitor LUT, everything was shot in S-Log3, uh, S-Gamma3.Cine in 10-bit, which is what I normally do. And I just monitored with LUTs and shot handheld with that camera. And, in, and the results, in my opinion, are beautiful. The other reason I love shooting handheld with the FX6, or, or handheld in general, is I can kind of move with the action. When girls, we'll get to a karaoke scene in a minute. When girls are moving, singing karaoke, I'm moving my body with them. I'm moving the camera with them. And handheld gives me the freedom to do that. I never, I, I, I nev never brought out the tripod. I even had in here that I'd shoot the shot of Moose, the dog, with the tripod, but I didn't. I ended up shooting 100% of, of the FX6 sh six shots handheld and 100% of the FX3 shots handheld. Actually, I lied. I did bring out the tripod. I brought out the tripod at the very end when the girls were hanging the photos on the wall. And that was only so when my editor is keyframing in the, um, the screenshots on the pictures he wouldn't have a lot of movement, so he wouldn't have to track the photos just to make it a little easier. But that's the only time we used a tripod. It was either shot on a gimbal or on a drone or handheld for this whole thing. I also shot with mist filters on this project. Uh, I didn't use, I use a, a black pro mist, not a standard mist. A standard mist has a tendency to make the image look a little more washed out because it's kind of almost, it's not really lifting the blacks, but it's kind of muting them because a standard mist filter has kind of these whitish specks on it, which gives it the diffusion look. Whereas a black pro mist filter has black flecks mixed in, and that helps you retain contrast. I like contrast, natural contrast in my work. So I tend to lean toward a black pro mist. And I shot on a 1 16th black pro mist, a Tiffin 1 16th on both cameras using wooden camera zip boxes, zip box pro zip boxes. And the reason I chose a 1 16th mist, Black Pro Mist, is once you get to 1 8th or a quarter or a half, it's too strong for my taste. I like the Black Pro Mist because I want to soften the skin and I want to slightly soften the highlight roll off and slightly take away some of the digital sharpness. But at the same time, I don't want to take away detail. I don't want to overly bloom my highlights. And I don't want the image to look washed out or overdone. So a 1 16th Black Pro Mist and a 4x5.65 filter size on a matte box gives me just this beautiful aesthetic. It's just enough to soften the skin. It's just enough to kick off the digital sharpening, but retaining the detail. And it's just enough to soften the highlight roll off 
all but all the while retaining the contrast and not making the photo the images look overdone. So I chose to shoot on 116th Black Pro Mist on both cameras with matte boxes. And on the FX3, I used straight NDs so that um, I didn't have to worry about cross polarization uh, or color shifting. So everything was shot on straight NDs on the FX3. And of course the FX6 is built in NDs. So that was kind of the equipment that was used um, and for the gimbal, I use my DJI, DJI RS3 Pro. Now that you know kind of the gear we use, I'll kind of walk you through the shots. And again, if you're listening to this in, in a podcast form, you can always go to the Filming Josh group and look at these images. Um, but if you're watching it, um, I'll just go ahead and play these for you. And again, if you're not seeing these images on the podcast, you'll still be able to follow along. So this first scene was girls hiking down a trail. I got a front-facing gimbal shot on uh, my FX3 with a 35. And you don't see it here, but I also have a, a backward gimbal shot so that my editor can have a back shot behind the girls as they're hiking down a trail and a front shot of the girls as we're hiking down a trail. We met at 6.30 in the morning and we hiked out kinda in the dark to get to this spot so that we would be there by daybreak. It would, unfortunately was pretty cloudy and kinda rainy that day. So um, it, the lighting wasn't like the most beautiful golden look in the world, but it still looks fantastic, as you can see here. Here's Moose the dog um, running toward the FX6 on the 50 mil. Um, you'll be able to see in the actual final video that this was shot in 4K 120. And of course, he's got a, the bandana with the Alpha Z Delta sorority um, uh, letters on. Uh, cute, super cute dog. It's like, a, I think it's a doodle or whatever they call it. Um, kind of a cool dog. So got some handheld shots of him running toward the camera in slow motion. And then of course I got some aerial shots of them hiking down the trail as well. Um, you can see from the aerial shot that the lighting isn't quite what we want it to be, but it'll work. Next scene here, we have um, a cheerleader and two strutters that are hiking upstairs or walking upstairs going toward Bobcat Stadium. So I shot this um, uh, on a gimbal using a 2414 prime so that we could get low and face the stadium um, up like like get low below the girls and show them kind of below them as they're walking up the stairs but be able to show the stadium in the background where you can see the logo uh, and the words bobcat stadium so everyone knows where they are and we again got shots behind the girls and then shots in front of the girls and then we have an aerial shot to go with it um, to get them going to the stadium. Now let's talk about this aerial shot for a second. Um, to get all of these scenes captured, there were seven different aerial shots I wanted that I had to get Lank permission for. Um, if you don't know what that is, L-A-A-N-C, that's basically permission to fly in controlled airspace. I have my drone license, of course, so I, I put in to get access to fly in controlled airspace because there is an airport nearby. Um, but I had to take it a step further for this because um, there the airport actually had a geofence in place where basically my drone was geozone locked, where even with Lank permission, you still can't launch the drone. Like the drone physically would not lift off the ground. I'm flying a Mavic 3 Cine, shooting everything to ProRes at 5.1K 30. I shoot most of my aerial shots in 30, um, just because I think it translates a little smoother in the air than 24P does. Um, and also if you want to slow it down by 80%, you can. So most of the time I shoot in 5.1K 30 and ProRes on the Mavic 3 Cine. But the Mavic 3 Cine would not lift off the ground without me unlocking the geo zone or the geofence. And to do that, 
even if you have link permission from, you know, like the, the Aloft app or whatever that gives you access to fly, even if you have been granted permission to fly, you still have to unlock the GeoZone or the drone will not take off. So this again goes back to pre-production. There were seven locations with seven different drone shots that were in a geo zone blocked area. So I had to, before the shoot date came, before we the shoot, I had to, at my house, get the link permission, and then go to DJI's FlySafe website online and request a geo zone unlock using my part 107 license number, my drone registration and serial number, and then provide to DJI screenshots of my link permission, like basically the permission that I got to fly at these different locations and how high I'm allowed to fly at each location. And then I send all that to DJI and then within an hour, they'll say, okay, we've accepted or rejected your, your, um, your GeoZone access. And if they accept it, you then pull up your drone, oh, turn on your drone and turn on your controller, and then you connect your controller to the internet and you unlock the GeoZone on your controller. And does this sound like an absolute pain in the ass? Yes. Is it a pain in the ass? Yes. I disagree with this process. I think that if you get link access, your drone should auto unlock the GeoZone. But that unfortunately isn't how it works. So if you get link access and you're in a GeoZone fenced area, you have to go to the FlySafe website and unlock it using DJI. And I have been rejected before, even though I have link access, because whoever's working at DJI over in China or whatever that's looking at my my stuff, sometimes they don't read it correctly. And they may be like, you don't have link access and they'll reject you. And then you'll have to email them back and be like, no, I do have access. Re-look at this. And so sometimes it's a pain in the butt to get DJI to unlock it. And it's really, frustrating um, but once DJI unlocks the GeoZone and then you cannot then you at that point can unlock it on your drone and now when you show up to the location not only do you have link access and permission to fly but the GeoZone has now been lifted and now you can fly in that zone if you do not do that and you show up to a location, you will not be able to fly. Now this is only for areas that are blocked by geo that are geofenced but you have to you have to do this or you will show up to a shoot and you'll think you've got permission to fly, but your, your drone won't take off. So this is really frustrating. But this is why you pay for a professional. This is why you pay more money to hire someone like me, because I know that this has to be done. And I realize that this is a process. I'm able to look up on a map and see if we need link permission. And then furthermore than that, see if it's geofenced. And if it is, I know how to go through the process of getting that unlocked. That is why you pay me. That is why you pay the extra money for someone like me. Otherwise, you're going to have some amateur who's going to be paid $300 a day, who's going to show up and whose drone's not going to take off because he didn't know that it was geofenced. So this is why you hire a professional to fly a drone. And it's a pain in the butt, but if you don't do it, it won't work. So my advice to you, if you're listening to this podcast, if you are ever in an area that you are on, uh, that you're getting link access to, pull up on a map and see if it's geofenced. Go to DJI's fly safe website, put in the address and see if it's in a geofenced area. And if it is, make sure to unlock it before the shoot starts or else you will not look good to your client when you show up and your drone won't take off. So that's a side note. 
So then now we're, we'll go into the stadium. So we, we had the strutter and strutters and cheerleader going to the stadium with their bags on the gimbal and from the drone. Now we're inside the football tunnel where the football players would run out. And this is an empty stadium, but these girls are here about to do some like cheering and strutting. And this shot is pretty cool because it's shot on a, on a gimbal on a 24-1-4 prime lens. Um, but the foreground is in has good exposure, whereas the, the girls are silhouetted, which is a really cool aesthetic. Now, I want to make a side note here. All of the gimbal shots were done by the amazing Amanda Campbell from Amanda Campbell Visuals. Amanda is an amazing cinematographer. She is, out of all of the people I've ever hired in my entire career to work with me on a video shoot, Amanda is hands down the best. I have worked with a lot of second shooters, a lot of production assistants, a lot of people over the years, and no one comes close to Amanda. She is by far the best I've ever hired. And she is expensive, but she's completely worth it. Amanda went to film school at Stephen F. Austin where I went to school. She understands the technical side of video. If I was to tell Amanda to expose something at 41% IRE, she'd understand what that means. If I told Anda to knock something down by two stops, she'd understand what that means. If I told Anda to put a light in a corner, she would understand how to do it. There are a lot of people I work with that are creative but don't understand the tech side. Or there are people I've worked with that understand the tech side but aren't creative. Amanda is both. She's fantastic. I brought her out to help me last year, and I brought her back to help me this year. It also helps that Amanda is um, was previously uh, in a sorority at Stephen F. Austin, where I went to college, and she actually made recruitment videos for that sorority when she was in college. So she's got experience doing projects like this. So I knew she would be a great asset beyond just her shooting capabilities. I knew that she would understand the vision last year, and she did, and she was able to help me work with the girls really well. And so I definitely knew I wanted to bring her back this year. So I ran the FX6 handheld. She ran the FX3 on the gimbal the whole time. And then uh, we worked together for all the lighting and everything else. So this is an Amanda Campbell shot here. Again, Amanda Campbell visuals. She's getting a new website launched. I think she's got a bunch of older content up right now. Um, she's working with a brand partner to get a new site launched and get her content out there, but she's fantastic. Um, and so anyway, this is a shot of her that of hers that she did. Um, and then here's a shot on the FX6 handheld. You kind of see we have um, the tennis shoe on the ground of the girls as they're walking out of the stadium. Uh, it, I thought that would be a really cool shot to have where you kind of just see the shoes, like a tight shot of the shoes. And then, of course, here front-facing gimbal and handheld shots of the girls leaving the tunnel, walking into the stadium, laughing, excited to be there. And here they are in slow motion, uh, jumping up in the air on the wide prime lens on the gimbal. The strutters, they're kind of jumping up and, and cheering. And then, uh, of course, I got tight shots in the FX6 of both of the girls that we can cut with the uh, wide gimbal shot. And then here we've got some handheld shots of strutters walking into the stadium. Again, this is the 51-2 lens. You can see why I love the 1-2 here. You can tell it says national champions in the background. You can tell that there's a Bobcat logo on the background, but it's blurred out nicely. Um, and out of focus just in the background of the stadium, but the girls are in focus. So the 51-2 handheld here just Looks amazing, looks amazing. Love it, love it, love it. By the way, these screenshots that we're looking at are all, these were all S-Log3 shots, but I put them in, I, when I loaded the footage into Resolve, I'm using a color manage workflow. So it is 
um, auto-converted from log to Rec. 709. So that's what you're looking at here. There's been no color grading done at all whatsoever, and you'll see some shots are a little dark, some are a little bright, some need a slight white balance adjustment, even though we did a custom white balance in the field, sometimes you still need to tweak it back home. Um, but none of that's been done yet. So this has been, these shots are basically straight out of camera, at, except for the fact that they've been converted from log to Rec. 709, so you can view it in color. Next up here, we have this wide gimbal shot. It was interesting. So this shot is two girls. These are tailgaters, and they're sitting on a counter, and there's a Bobcat neon sign logo, Texas State Bobcat logo in the background right above them. We actually didn't plan to shoot this shot. This wasn't in the script or in the shot sheet, um, but it was raining, and we were stuck inside a building while it was raining, waiting for the rain to go away. And we just saw this counter in the football stadium with this neon sign of a bobcat. And we were like, man, that's a cool shot. And so we got the girls to get on the countertop. And then we we ended up, it was really dark. So we shot this at 12,800 on the FX3 and overexposed it so that we get cleaner shot, cleaner results, have a cleaner noise floor. But we're going to bring it down, bring down the exposure and post so the neon sign really pops and we'll have a nice clean shot. Next up, we have this shot of... Um, we have a shot of girls in sundresses. And this is the idea behind this is that they're doing a TikTok video of them, like TikTok videos of them in a field, in a flower field, like dressed up together. Because remember, this whole project is about a sor about sorority girls having fun, living their best life. And we're trying to encourage other girls that are coming to college or that are maybe already at college but are thinking about rushing. We're trying to encourage them to want to join the sorority because they see how much fun it is and how the girls go out and do things like hiking or making food together or doing TikTok videos together. Like that's the concept. And so this is what this is. This is a scene of girls making a TikTok video. So we have one girl here. Her name is Lily. She's on a phone. She's doing like a three, two, one with her hand. Um, and she's like basically telling the girls to walk toward her for her TikTok video. And of course we are shooting them shooting the TikTok video. Like that's the concept. So we found this flower field or I say we, they did and got access to film there. And so you can see we have like a wide shot of the girls getting the countdown from the girl who's doing the TikTok video. We have a front-facing shot of the girl shooting with her iPhone who is shooting the TikTok video. And then we have tight shots of the girls as they walk toward her camera. And we also shot this from a drone. We got right up above and we got like a shot of them like taking a picture together for their on their phone. And we put the drone up above the girl who's taking the photograph of her sorority sisters. And then the drone pulls away to reveal the field that the girls are in. Now, here's a nice side note here. When you are making a video like this or any video, it really helps to get establishing shots. It really does. I like establishing shots. I like wide shots, medium shots, and tight shots of everything I do so that we have tons of flexibility in post. If everything is wide or if everything is tight, then you're missing a lot of the elements. If it's too tight all the time, then you miss the establishing shots of where they are. And if you have everything wide and establishing, you're missing the tight, intimate shots. So you want to have a good mixture. So in this in these scenes, you'll see how we have a lot of aerials or wide establishing shots. Even if it's not from the air, it might be from the ground, but we have lots of establishing shots and then lots of close-up shots, medium shots, and, tight, and, uh, and some wides thrown in throughout. 
And that's what we did here. And then we have some shots here. These are some of those tighter shots I was talking about or medium shots of like a girl putting a flower in a girl's hair and, and some girls like spinning in a field together, having fun. Um, there's like a TikTok, popular TikTok video going around of girls putting flowers in their boots. So we have like a shot of, of uh, like, again, a wide establishing and then a tight shot here of girls putting flowers in each other's boots for their little TikTok video that scene that we're making. And then we have a video of two girls. This is a, me a medium shot here of two girls taking a selfie together, sitting in the grass. And just, again, fun. We shot it all in slow motion and in real time. So my editor can pick and choose what he wants to, to do with, uh, what he wants to go with here. The shot's slightly overexposed, so we'll bring that down in post. Um, it'll look great. It's not too overexposed, but just a touch hot here, but we'll bring that down and fix that later. Next, we have a scene of girls going tubing together. So tubing is a huge thing in the, in Central Texas where I live. So we were at Texas State Tubes. We got access to film there. And uh, this is a popular tubing spot, not just for college students, but for really anybody. And so we have a, a girl here standing on some tubes and a pile of tubes, and she's throwing, and again, slow motion, real time, a tube to another girl. And the idea is that we're showing them having fun throwing tubes to each other, getting ready to go out to the water. And then we've got gimbal shots, handheld shots of them walking down to the water. And then we have a drone shot here where you can kind of see the big pile of tubes at Texas State Tubes. And then all the girls walking down the water with their tubes. Now let's talk about color. Um, I like coloring my videos using what's in camera, not the camera itself. So to do that, we incorporate lots of colors into our projects when we can. If I'm shooting, if I'm shooting a project for my engineering firm client, SAM, which stands for surveying and mapping, and we're shooting a bunch of interviews, we might kind of coordinate it to where everyone's got kind of a bluish gray or, or white look, like their clothes might be a, glue, a blue or gray or white, because we want that color coordination to be in our videos because we know that that is their colors and we want their people to kind of on their video to kind of flow with the color of their website and their logo. We wouldn't want someone to have like a bright red dress on in an interview because that wouldn't match with the theme of the website. So we're coloring the video in a way by what people are wearing. And the same thing is done when in this video. You'll see here like that one of the reasons we, so, we chose Texas State Tubes is because the tubes are so colorful. You've got green and yellow and orange and red and pink. So you have all these different colored tubes. So this drone shot here with all this pile of tubes, there's just so much color in the video. And it has nothing to do with how we're grading the video. It just has to do with the colors that are in it. And you'll see like as girls walk down to the water and they've got in this handheld shot or gimbal shot here, you can see they've got these different bright color tubes. And so that's adding color and depth to our video just from by what they're wearing. And the same thing goes with lighting, right? Like when we light a scene, our lighting is essentially doing a lot of the coloring for us before we ever get to post. So I am a firm believer that all a camera is doing is just recording all the work you've already done. And so if you want your image to look a certain way, have a certain color and a certain feel to it and a certain level of contrast or brightness or darkness, my goal is to do as much of that before you hit record in, as possible so that what you're filming, what you're actually filming is what's doing the color grading for you. What you do in post is just basically 
finishing the job per se. So that's one of the reasons we chose this particular outfit because of all the different colors that are there, tubing outfit. So here's just again, some gimbal shots and handheld shots. And as you'll notice here, as I kind of scroll through these couple of shots, these are uh, 50 mil shots on my FX6 handheld. But notice how I have a lot of foreground elements in these shots. You'll see this a lot throughout this project where I have a lot of foreground elements blurred out. Um, so like I'll get in like in this shot of them like walking down this gravel trail that leads to the river when they're holding their tubes and they're laughing and smiling and talking with each other. I, I made sure to put a lot of um, vegetation in the frame and shoot through little holes of vegetation so that it gives uh, the images more interest. And I do that, you know, whether it's with stair railings, whether it's shooting through some glass like drinking glasses, which you'll see I did that here in a little bit. And so all of that's to add a lot of foreground elements, which really help the image have a lot more depth. So then here we have shots of them on the gimbal and on the FX6 as they um, get into the river. And a lot of this is real time and slow motion, them like laughing and partying as you know, they're going in the river and getting in their tubes and tubing down the river. And then of course we have an aerial shot that kind of establishes uh, the river and shows them going down, tubing down the river. So here's another thing I want to talk about. So here's a shot where some girls are in uh, a fountain. They get in a fountain on campus, and we wanted to make it look like there was a girl shooting photographs of them splashing water together in a fountain. Now you can see here that the girls are pretty color coordinated, except for the one on the left. She she wore pink, uh, a pink colored um, like skirt. And she kind of got in a little bit of trouble for that because that doesn't really match what the other girls are wearing. Um, and again, we were trying really hard to be as color coordinated as possible. Um, so that pink shouldn't have been in there, but it was, it is what it is. But you can see, again, we're trying to color coordinate this. And so there's a girl taking a photo, like shooting photos of the girls in the fountain. And so um, that's kind of the inspiration for the shot. And then as you can see here, we have the ACAM shot off the FX6 of them splashing water up in the air um, in the fountain. It's a real cute shot, a lot of fun. But I want to talk about this gimbal shot from the side that shows the girl shooting the picture. We wanted to have some interesting transitions, and if you watch the video we did last year, we had a lot of interesting transitions. But to create interesting transitions, we try our very best to have them created in camera, not so much in post. So like here, this shot kind of reveals the grill in the fountain. You can't tell it here because we're looking at a screenshot, but essentially there's a 35 mil prime lens on an FX3 on a gimbal, and it's the shot starts behind a girl's back, the girl who's taking the photo of the girl in the fountain, the girls in the fountain, the camera's behind her back and then it comes around, it like parallaxes around behind her back to reveal her arm with the phone in hand and the girls in the, in the background in the fountain. And the idea is that that natural rotation of the camera coming from behind the back and revealing the girls is a natural transition point. And we have other shots throughout that you'll see that as we continue on. So now we have a scene of girls like singing karaoke at a house. There's actually a scene of them making pizza and cupcakes that will come probably before this. Um, but these scenes are not in any particular order. But the idea is like they're making pizza, they're having fun, and then right here they're singing karaoke. So you'll see a lot of girls that got their hands up, they're singing karaoke. Um, for this scene, we use uh, a mixture of Aperture Novas and Aperture 600Ds inside the house to raise the exposure inside the house so that we could see what's in the windows outside. The only way you can see what's in the windows outside 
and still see everything inside with a proper exposure is to either raise the exposure in the room or lower the exposure of the windows. You can lower the, lower the exposure of the windows by gelling the windows, but that involves a squeegee and gels, and it takes a long time to do, and it's kind of hard to get right. The other option is just to raise the exposure of the room, which is what we chose to do. We raised the exposure of the room by pumping a ton of light. Now, I had two 600Ds in the truck, but I only used one 600D and one Nova because that was enough light. And I chose the Nova because we actually used some of the room light in the kitchen and the Nova allows you to dial in whatever color temperature you want. So I have a spectrometer and I read the color temperature of the kitchen to tell me what color temperature and what green magenta shift should be uh, for my lights. And then I dialed that into my Nova so that the Nova could match the kitchen. The 600D, D stands for daylight. So the 600D is a daylight only colored light. It's gonna be brighter in general than the Nova, but it's daylight only. So I use the Nova in the living room and or in the kitchen and I used the 600D in the living room where all the windows were so I could bring up the exposure in the living room. So that's why we use the 600D in Innova. Um, and again here you can just kind of see shots of them singing karaoke. Again, girls are kind of dressed fun here. We went for a lighter color, kind of cleaner whites and some colors that pop. Now you'll see here, this is on the FX3. It's kind of overexposed. I might be able to fix this. This is just a slightly overexposed shot, um, but hopefully I can fix and pull that back down. It was just an error on our part, but we shot so much footage that we don't have to use that if we don't want to. Um, here's a shot of them playing cards. Again, foreground elements. I got girls in the foreground and I'm shooting over their shoulders so that their hair and their shoulders are in the foreground and I'm creating like a little window to shoot through so that what, what they're doing has an interesting foreground element. And this shows them pulling a card out of a, a card game called Mo More Likely To. And then here's a wide shot of them reading a card and laughing and just having fun. Here again is another shot of me shooting through stuff. I've got a glass to the left so you can see through the glass and see people blurred out through the glass. The glass adds a nice interesting element and then to the right I have a dark object and it just created a little hole for me to shoot through so I could have nice foreground elements. And again a little overexposed here but shots of girls just laughing having fun as they read their cards off. Um, here are shots of the pizza making. This is slightly underexposed. We'll fix it. But if you look in the background of this shot, so this, I had a Nova in here, but I wanted to add more depth. So what we did is we took some tube lights. I have these tube lights by a company called SGC and they are RGBWW lights. So we can dial in whatever we color we want, just like with the Novas. So what I did is I put them to like a 3200 warm look and I gaff taped them, my, Amanda and I did, underneath the countertops so that we could have a goldish or kind of warmish color under the countertops. And then we also threw one on top of the counter. And this was just so we could add depth to the shot so that there's more light in the background. And it doesn't, because without those lights back there, it would feel very flat. And I didn't want the image to feel flat so we gaff tape those tube lights underneath the counters and up on a pot on top of the um, on top of the uh, uh, cupboard and then um, uh, or, or shelves I should say and then we have a, a, a little neon line that says smile neon light that says smile in the background as well just again to add depth and this is this girls just like making a pizza and laughing you can see here as they're like putting cheese on the pizza now if you look to the right of this frame you'll actually see some uh, little gold light that's again adding depth I gaff taped four 
or Amanda and I gaff tape four aperture MCs to the countertop uh, to the to, there's like a little uh, there's like a little um, I, I'm, like island and there is a um, like the island is got two levels and we gaff tape the MCs basically on the second level of countertop facing down toward the pizzas so that you can get um, them reflecting off the countertop to add more depth. So we have aperture MCs there that are basically reflecting off of the countertop to add some depth. And then here's like shots of girls like flicking, uh, a girl flicking some um, dough or some um, flour at another girl as she's like getting ready to open up the pepperoni package and you can see here how I use the countertop the reflection of the countertop on the island to add more depth because it's you can kind of see a reflection of the smile sign and also the girls she's like talking and so we use the countertop as a foreground element and also to show a reflection which adds um, just a nice interesting feel in fact if I go backwards here to the girl singing karaoke you'll see the same thing where I have the island in the foreground and it is uh, adding a reflection which just adds some nice depth so I like adding reflections when I can and then here's like a wide shot it's a little hot but I'll be able to fix this in post and here is a good shot of the aperture MCs taped to the countertop. I probably won't use this shot because you can see the aperture MCs in the shot on the left side of the counter uh, of the island, but um, I have some shots where you can't see that. But this is just to show you the idea of the scene is you got some girls sitting on a counter talking to each other and some other girls about to put a pizza in the oven and then here's the pizza going in the oven. And then here's shots of girls just eating pizza, having fun at a kitchen table, just enjoying time, enjoying life together, having fun, sharing pizza. Two girls right here crossed arms are like feeding or not feeding each other pizza, but they're eating pizza uh, with their arms linked just for fun, you know, just to add fun elements. And of course we got shots from both angles and then wider shots of girls just like hanging out, having fun and lots of foreground elements here using girls for foreground elements. And then we have a shot of girls just like making cupcakes um, with their letters uh, on the cupcakes. So that's all fun. Now next we had this one girl who had parents who owned an Airbnb on a river uh, in Canyon Lake, Texas. And the, and the river is uh, the Guadalupe River where I personally trout fish. Fun fact, where this house is, I actually trout fish right in front of it. Um, literally in front of this house my, is one of my favorite fishing holes. So I knew the house instantly when they told me which house it was. So this scene is supposed to be a surprise birthday party. And the idea is that the girl in pink with the pink shorts is leading the girl to the right uh, or my right, her left, um, to a surprise birthday party that she doesn't know about. So we have handheld and gimbal shots of her like coming through the door, like walking down this hallway, like the front entrance. And then of course you can see her being all surprised there. And of course she's got her hands over her mouth. These girls did a great job of acting. And so she's really surprised. And what's cool about this shot is Amanda, she's a great gimbal operator, what she did she got a shot where she circles around these girls. So the gimbal shows the girls in frame. Like she's basically following the girls down the hallway with them facing the camera, but then she's spinning around them as the girl feel realizes it's a surprise. And then the shot ends, like it ends a, behind with the girls 
backs to the camera and the um the the girls that are yelling surprise in the background blurred out so the the camera essentially let me back up here the the camera essentially rotates around these girls as the surprise happens which is really fun and then of course i with my fx6 handheld shot cutaway shots of the girls yelling surprise and uh and then putting on a sash a birthday sash and uh um and a uh, birthday girl tiara on. And you can, let me back up a few frames here. You can kind of see how the girls did a fantastic job of decorating these places. They went there ahead of time. They decorated, set up all the props. They took the time to make birthday balloons and birthday um, birthday party or, or happy birthday signs that they hand painted. They did a great job in pre-production of putting all this together so that we had a really nice decorated set. I did use two Aperture 600Ds because there are floor to ceiling windows here. <clears throat> and so we used Aperture 600Ds to pump a ton of light into these rooms to raise the exposures of the rooms so that we can see outside of the windows pretty well. And again, these shots are straight out of camera, so there'll be um, some edits in post to make them look more, even more balanced. But you kind of get the idea using the Aperture 600Ds. We bounce them off the ceiling um, out of frame to bring up the exposure in the room. Um, and then again, it's just all kinds of tight shots. Now here's a here's a shot here, interesting shot. Again, got some nice foreground elements. I've got a girl, she's taking pictures of the birthday girl with some friends. She's got her, one of her friends has her hand up in the air and they're taking pictures under a balloon arch that says happy birthday in the background. And the phone is the only thing in focus here showing them taking a picture together with the birthday girl. But then the next shot is from the side showing the picture being taken um, of of the girls so that we have two shots. We have a shot of the phone as a girl of, of the girl taking the picture using her phone. And then we have a shot of the actual of the of the girl with her phone and the girls getting uh, their picture taken all in one frame. So again, having lots of cutaway shots tight to the phone, and then kind of like a medium shot that shows the girl with her phone and the girls uh, in the picture. So we have nice cutaways. Um, and Again, we shot this in slow every uh, most of the stuff in slow motion and again in real time. So here's a shot of them bringing like a birthday cake. This is tricky. There's a lot of things going on with dynamic range here with the um, candles and whatnot, but I'm going to be able to salvage that in post, maximizing the uh, dynamic range of the FX6 and FX3 here. <laughs> but essentially, this girl is bringing a cake over to the birthday girl. And um, you can see all the girls here. It's kind of lit up by the birthday cake. We got the lights off in the house. And then you can see her blowing out the candles. And fun fact, so this was shot in 4K 120, I think. And as she blows out the candles, the camera goes dark and naturally dark. It genuinely does. And this shot right here in 4K 120, when she blows the candles out, it's only lit by the candles her face is, and so when these candles get blown out, it goes dark. And this is gonna be one of those photos I talked about that we're gonna definitely use. I know for a fact we wanna use her blowing out the candles. Candles is one of the transitions on one of the Polaroid photos. And then here is the house. We shot it from the drone. Completely different scene though. This is not for the birthday scene. This is like shows the house on the river with the hills and stuff in the background. And then here's a, another shot of the drone where you can see the river in the background. And this is for a scene of girls at a campfire. We got some girls on the balcony and then some girls having a campfire right in the evening time, right before it gets dark. And they're basically ha cooking marshmallows. And then um, you can see all that from these different shots here. And they're just like making, or not smart marshmallows, but they're making s'mores. And then here's like some handheld shots of them, like putting the wood in the fire, like making the fire. 
And then we have Amanda. She got a gimbal shot on top of the stairwell um, that kind of shows it from a different perspective, a wide shot at 24 millimeters that shows the river from um, from the gimbal. And she comes out from like behind a rail to reveal the scene. Um, and you can see all the girls kind of in the background with the fire. And then, of course, I have tight shots of them making s'mores and laughing together as they eat the s'mores. This next frame here, again, we got a nice establishing shot. This is shot handheld across the street on a 50 mil lens of a restaurant called Blue Dahlia. We got permission from Blue Dahlia to film there. They blocked off the um, what's called the secret garden, which is a back patio part that looks really cool. They blocked that off and left that just for us that day to shoot in. So I got a wide shot across the street of the girls walking up to Blue Dahlia and then some medium shots of them walking up to Blue Dahlia um, uh, from, from on the sidewalk. And then I have shots of them in the secret garden part of the restaurant as they are drinking drinks and having fun not alcoholic drinks because we're trying not to show alcoholic drinks in the recruitment video, but they're drinking, they're saying cheers and just having fun. Of course, we shot that all with gimbal and, and uh, handheld and slow motion and real time. Then we have a shot here. This is a really fun scene. This is a girl driving a Jeep and there's a bunch of girls singing. They're all singing together. So she's driving down the road. She turns up the volume. Her hands are on the steering wheel of this bright yellow Jeep that we got permission to drive. And so we shot, I'm sitting in the Jeep in the front seat shooting a tight shot of her hands on the steering wheel with the word Jeep clearly in frame and in focus. And then I spin her, uh, or move the camera up to get a shot of the girl singing um, as she's driving. And then I turn around in the back, point toward the back seat where I get some girls singing in the back seat to music with the top of the Jeep off, their hands sticking up through the top where the top of the Jeep wouldn't normally be. And they got their hands up, their hair is blowing back in the wind and they're singing, having fun. And then I stood up in my seat and stuck the camera facing their hands as their hands are through the Jeep as they're making the Alpha Z Delta signs with their hands. And then um, this is in slow motion. And then you, you can see I have some nice bokeh balls in the background from some headlights as the Jeep was driving over a bridge with the stadium out of focus. And then I got Amanda to sit in the driver's seat uh, the passenger seat of my truck and I drove and she hung the gimbal in undersling mode outside of my truck went passenger window of course she's death gripping it so she doesn't drop it and she's using the gimbal and she's tracking and following the jeep as it comes like I had the their jeep on speakerphone so they could hear me and they're all dancing in the in the jeep and the idea is we wanted to show the jeep from the highway as it's driving across this bridge and the only way we knew how to do that was to hang out of the truck with the gimbal so they're gonna we we told them when we said go and they're driving they're basically they were I was driving my truck and they were behind Behind me on the opposite lane and then they were just kind of following me and then when Amanda had had them in focus and, and was hitting record and she told me she's ready to go I said go or I said action and basically they drove the Jeep up and passed us and Amanda spun the gimbal and tracked them with the gimbal as the Jeep passed us and if you look on the Jeep the license plate says Alpha Z on it so it has their letters and their name of their sorority on the license plate 
as they're singing itself. So real cool shot. And then of course we got an establishing shot here where you see the drone shot up in the air. This is again one of the spots I had to unlock to get access to fly in. But you can see the Jeep in the lower left hand side of the frame. It's nice and yellow and bright and poppy so you can really see it in the frame. Um, we'll probably use this as like the last shot of the scene so that you know what you're looking for and you see that Jeep in the drone shot with the stadium in the background and you instantly know that that's the Jeep. And then just for fun I mounted a GoPro to the front of the Jeep on the hood <clears throat> facing the girls as they're singing. I don't know if we'll use this or not, but it's kind of fun. When I was not in the vehicle and the GoPro was there, I had them drive across the bridge with five girls in the Jeep as if I wasn't in there. And this way you can see all of them singing with the GoPro mounted to the Jeep. I was originally going to mount my FX3 there, but we were running really low on time. So I just stuck a GoPro there. I have no idea if we'll use that or not, but we have it. Now we have a shot, like an establishing shot of the sorority house. And then we have a shot as the drone like comes up through the, it comes up with the, with the sorority house in the background and then goes forward and through some, a hole in the trees to reveal some girls painting um, some shirts and some, or sweatshirts and sweatpants. And we just got lots of cutaway shots, close shots and medium shots of them painting and having fun as they're all hanging out at the sorority house painting, um, painting these sweatpants and painting their letters and stuff on the sweatshirts and things like that and laughing and having fun. And of course, we got some close tight shots in real time slow motion of spray paint coming out of the spray paint can and stuff like that. Now we have a wide establishing shot of a river and then you can see we have a volleyball court through the a hole in the trees in the background and the can you'll see again kind of like the sorority house as the drone comes forward it gets closer and closer to the hole in the trees and you can more easily see the volleyball court. And then we have just the girls playing volleyball. We got a volleyball in slow motion. We put sand on it and had a girl spin it in her hands as the sand flung off in 4K 120. And then we have lots of shots, medium and wide shots of them playing sand volleyball. So, and I, again, with the foreground elements, got handheld, got up on the net, shot through the net with the net clearly in in, in the foreground where you can really see that just to add more interest to the shots. And here's them like jumping up in slow motion, high-fiving each other when they score a point. Just lots of fun. Next up, we have, again, the San Marcos River from a different angle. And the background is a dock. And just another shot of the river. And here's the dock from a, a closer perspective. And the girls, a group of girls on the dock. So this is like an establishing shot of them. And here's one with a drone right above the river. It's a beautiful river, by the way. You can see how clear it is. Popular tubing river for Texas. Um, and runs through the campus. And then here's like a, a shot on the dock itself but at the front of the dock kind of shooting through some like a hole in the trees you can see we had a bubble machine so we had some bubbles going in slow motion which was fun and these girls are painting tote bags and popping bubbles with their hands which is a lot of fun and you could see that here just a fun scene um and them laughing and stuff now here's another thing there are three words that are kind of really important to this sorority and those words are peace courage and um graciousness. And so what we did is we wanted to have those three like mission words in the video, but in a very subtle way. So what we did is we had a shot here of them on the dock of, and one of the girls painting the word peace. And in this next scene where we have an establishing shot of Lamppost Coffee, which is a coffee shop in town, and you see the girls like walking up to go into the coffee shop. And then here they are in the coffee shop having fun, um, all medium shots. We got access from the coffee shop to shoot here. Of course, there's another angle and you can see their uh, logo on the back of one of the girls' computers. Just nice way to 
get their logo in the scene, but in a subtle way. And then here's the word graciousness. So now we have the word, again, another one of their words subtly in a frame. And graciousness is the background we made at the background of this girl's computer. So it's not like so in your face. And it rack focuses from her computer background to uh, an iPad as she's showing another girl her notes. Just kind of a nice subtle way to get that word in there. And then we have the last word courage in this scene, which is showing girls um, at a fitness studio called Raw Fitness. They're doing a workout. I shot through some glass. I told you I love working with glass and reflections. So I'm shooting through some glass here to show like girls working out. Here is the fitness director. Again, this shot's a little dark, so I'll fix that in post, but she is um, leading a fitness class and behind her in the background on a whiteboard it board is the word courage and it's going to rack focus from the word courage to the uh to the person who's leading the class so it'll go from the whiteboard to the uh, leader of the class as she's coaching these girls at the fitness center so we can again get that third word in there and then here they are like wides and tights of the workout, showing shoes on the ground, putting the camera on the ground so we have the ground in focus in the foreground, out of focus in the background, shoe in focus as it hits the ground in 4K 120. And then of course, girls just working out in wides, mediums, and tights inside the fitness center. And then, then we had like, this is a history building on campus. We shot again with a foreground element shooting through, um, shooting through a, uh, a, like a, a railing. And we just have girls, just shots. And, and the same thing here, foreground element of the water fountain, um, just shots of girls just hanging out, having fun uh, on, on campus, studying together basically in this really cool courtyard. Again, incorporating lots of foreground elements. we got some transition points coming behind some of these poles and stuff to reveal the girls. And then we had a shot of a girl that actually was graduating the next day. So she had her graduation outfit. And so we just got her like pop in a graduation, um, like confetti on herself as she's getting ready to celebrate graduation. And this will be one of the final scenes in the video and will be one of the Polaroid photographs that we choose to use. We also had a nighttime. Last year we did like a daytime swimming scene, but this time we want to do a nighttime swimming scene. So we had some lights on the fence. Uh, so like little uh, fun party lights on the fence. And then we had girls using popping glow sticks, jumping in the pool in slow motion with glow stick, wearing glow sticks and just, you know, putting fun like glow, glow sticks on like glow stick glasses, glow stick necklaces, glow stick bracelets and stuff as they're just kind of hanging out in the pool. And we wanted it to look like it was at night. So we kept it pretty dark, but we had the fence lights up. We had the fence lights reflecting off the water. And then we had the girls wearing glow sticks just to show them like having fun, hanging out, doing this like fun little party at nighttime and then, you know, shots of the pool and the water and the pool and all that. And then the drone, the Mavic 3 Cine has got a four-third sensor, so it's pretty good in low light. So I was able to get some aerial shots facing down, straight down at the pool of them, like jumping in the pool and throwing a beach volleyball or beach ball around from the drone, even though it was nighttime and it still looks great. Um, and then we also, to go with the nighttime theme, we had like a putt-putt scene. This is at putt pub. We didn't bring any lights in because this is an actual running like bar where you can come and order food from a food truck or drinks and play uh, putt, putt, putt while you're drinking. It's a really fun place on campus. We didn't, sh or not on campus, but off campus on the square in town. We didn't show them drinking or anything, but we did show them playing uh, putt putt and we just used the natural lights. There's all kinds of mixed color lighting here. So we kind of just leaned into the fact that the lighting was going to be all kinds of different colors, uh, but that made it more fun because that is actually what putt putt it looks like with all kinds of different color lights. And of course, we got tight shots of the golf. 
golf balls being hit with the camera on the ground level with the golf ball and, you know, medium and wide to girls having fun and putting and all that. Um, and then there's the final shots here are, again, we're back to the girls hanging the Polaroids up on the wall. And you can see now how we'll have Polaroid memories and photos like the girl blowing out the candles that will go in these f shots as movements. And then we'll f stop and freeze frame as a photograph. So that's pretty much the shoot. And it will end with him still with the gimbal pulling away from the wall as it reveals, like the gimbal, this shot actually starts, the final shot of, this, of the whole video, the camera will be right up on one of these Polaroids and it will pull back and sh show the girls hanging Polaroids on the wall with their back face, backs facing the camera. And the neon sign that says, realize your potential on the top, which is their, again, their tagline. And they'll be hanging, still continuously hanging up photos as the camera, as the whole entire video dips to black as they're hanging these Polaroids and these memories on the wall. So that's basically the shoot. Um, again, this was a lot of fun. Um, the whole idea for this video was to show different scenes of girls having fun, hanging out, enjoying life together on campus and off campus and all over the place, and then incorporate those memories as they're being hung on the walls, Polaroids. Um, I could not have done this project without Amanda. She's an incredible shooter. She's an incredible um, just person in general and a lot of fun to be with. We, we work really well together. She understands my vision um, and she provides a lot of her own creative input. I give her a lot of flexibility to help me decide on shots and things because I trust her. And so she did a great job. Couldn't have done it without her. And um, I feel like we, we, we're going to blow out the one we did last year. I was happy the one we did last year, but this one's going to be even better. And I saw the, sh I've seen some of the videos that other um, sororities on Texas State at Texas State's campus have done. And dude, mine looks like avatar way of water compared to theirs. <laughs> it's going to blow theirs away. So it's awesome. And I, I can't wait to finish this one and see what we do next year. But that was the, the breakdown of this project, kind of how we went about it. I'm currently picking music for it. Um, and then um, once I have the song picked and approved by the sorority, then at that point, um, I'm going to pass the footage off to my editor who is going to go through and start cutting it together. He's going to be doing the rough cut, um, cutting everything into music. He's going to be doing all the transitions. He's going to be keyframing all of the shots into the pictures on the Polaroids and doing all the graphical effects there. And then I'm going to be doing all the color and all the Foley audio. Foley audio is going to be big on this. I want a lot of Foley. So I'm going to hand, handle color and Foley. He's going to handle the rough cutting and all the graphical effects and transitions. So that's kind of where we are now. So that's this project breakdown. Um, I thought this would be a fun thing to do. This is a longer one because it's a big project with a lot of scenes. But I'm going to try to do more project breakdowns in the future, break down different interview setups and things like that so I can kind of explain um, the behind the scenes of how we do different shoots and why we do things a certain way and what the plan was, what the pre-production looked like and things like that to help you figure out how to be better on your next project. If you like this podcast and the way I did it, let me know. Leave me a review and uh, be sure to go to Filming with Josh and comment on it there as well. I'd love to know your thoughts on this podcast format. And I can't wait to do another one. I'll be back with another podcast, hopefully later this week, with my uh, friend Michael Racis as we're going to do a podcast on strategic uh video planning on how to basically strategize for creating a video for a company. And Michael is a fantastic um, marketer. He was previously the VP of marketing of, of another company that uh, I, I do business with. And so I'm bringing him onto the podcast to talk a lot about how you plan out strategically 
a video for a company to make sure it hits all the right notes and has the right message and hits the right target market. So be looking for that one to come out. It hopefully will come out later this week and this will be a two podcast week. But if not, then it'll be out next week. Anyway, anyways, guys, I appreciate you listening in. And uh, as always, please rate the podcast, please subscribe to it and uh, join the Filming with Josh group. I'll see you all there. Take care. To learn more about Rustic River Media, visit us online at rusticriver.media. Thanks for listening to the Filming with Josh podcast. Catch every episode by hitting subscribe today.